Welcome to another episode of the Dutch Podcast, where integrative medicine providers and patients can learn more about hormones and explore the body's most complex communication system. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, Chief Medical Officer for Dutch. As a clinician, I focused on fertility and used Dutch testing to uncover the role that hormones play in a couple's ability to conceive. And now on the Dutch Podcast, I get to be joined by experts across functional medicine who help us make sense of our body's hormones and take the guesswork out of treating hormone-related issues. Coming up on this week's episode, we might move into the controversial a bit. We're talking about the pill. Now, while oral contraceptives have been a truly world-changing tool for women, allowing them to be in more control of their childbearing, they're also pretty controversial in this integrative medicine space and really sometimes maligned. Today, I want to get to the bottom of the good, the bad, and really our final thoughts on oral contraceptive pills. Today's guest is Dr. Rebecca Clemson. Dr. Clemson is a licensed naturopathic doctor who's passionate about educating and empowering others to reach their full potential in health and wellness and life. She graduated with honors from the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, and she's done tons of advanced training in functional endocrinology, functional analysis of blood work, menopause, andropause, thyroid health, and fertility. She currently maintains a part-time practice in Lake Oswego, Oregon, with a focus on women's health and hormonal imbalances. And most of all, we are super lucky to have her on the team of Dutch clinicians. Well, Rebecca, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. And so glad. Fun topic to talk about. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going to get into the juicy nitty gritty, and I'm sure that we're going to say some things that our listeners agree and disagree with passionately, you know, as we yeah, kind of go through all this. Quite controversial at times, but I, I know I've learned a lot since I had my own experience with oral contraceptives back in my 20s. And I, I kind of wish I could go back and talk to my former self and <laughs> tell her all the things I know now because I really didn't know anything back then. And I might have changed my mind had I known, you know, all that I know now and been able to have that kind of a conversation with my practitioner too. Definitely. And actually, let's make sure we talk about that today is like how patients can really have thoughtful conversations about the pill with their practitioner. And I'll share like for myself, I would say the pill had a role in me becoming a naturopathic doctor in its own little way. You know, I was a teenager, I was like 17 and I had not started my period yet. And oh. when I went in to see, it was a nurse practitioner, kind of OBGYN, um, you know, she recommended the pill for me and said, well, this will fix it and give you your periods back. And I was kind of like, well, don't you want to know why this isn't happening on its own? And she was like, ah, don't worry about it. You know, this will fix it. Just take the pill. And so I did, you know, starting at the age of 17 and was probably on it until my mid twenties. Um, but I thought my period was fixed because mm -hmm. I took the pill and I cycled. And, um, but I really felt like dissatisfied with that being my only option and not really wanting to dig deeper to figure out the problem. And that's what led me to want to become an ND. And then as soon as I was in ND school, I was like, this is not fixing the problem actually. So let's talk a little bit about like, what are the reasons that women go on birth control in the first place or even girls, teenage girls? Sure. Well, I mean, there's still, it's, it works great for contraception. So 
that's a big reason to prevent pregnancy. But what's become a lot just as common for people to go on is to fix any kind of female problem, especially around menstruation. So if you have irregular cycles, we'll put you on the pill, painful periods, heavy periods, acne. Um, and those are the like, most probably common non-birth control reasons to regulate the cycle. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that even, you know, providers have about the pill is that it's regulating the cycle and giving you a normal cycle when in reality you don't have a cycle when you're on the pill it's not a true period it's just a withdrawal bleed and it was kind of fit into the pill when it was introduced back in the 50s to make women feel like they weren't pregnant because it was confusing to them like why am I not bleeding Mm. but so it's kind of a relic of the past that that 28 day with like sugar pills, um, you don't really need to bleed when you're on the pill. And it's not, people be like, oh, I have a normal period, but they're on birth control. And it's, yeah, it's a big misconception, I think. And that's, I think a, re- a lot of the reasons women, they don't know that. And then they'll stay on it for a while because they think, oh, great, I'm having a regular period now. So I don't need to worry about anything. That's really interesting. And I've never heard that before. So really the whole reason why the pills aren't stacked month to month. Like some providers will tell their patients, skip the sugar pill, just go mm-hmm. on to the next one. But you're saying that the whole reason why those sugar pills were put in there was because it was kind of confusing to not bleed before. Yeah. And well, it was so it was almost a marketing, yeah, marketing yeah. decision. It, it, it was a way to alleviate women's fears when the pill was just first introduced because women were, women were used to either cycling or being pregnant or breastfeeding, and then they weren't. So if they didn't have their period, they immediately think, you know, oh, I must be pregnant. They weren't used these to aren't working. the pill. You know, we're, we're more used to it now. So a lot of women were comfortable with not having a period month to month, but things were a little bit different back then. That's really interesting. So I think the other concern that I hear around stacking is that you could end up kind of building up too much endometrium and that the lining shedding with withdrawal is like a really important part, even when you're on the pill. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, is that something I know people say now like three months and then you can do the withdrawal bleed. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't do it forever. But I mean, everyone has probably seen that, um, that SNL skit around annual. (laughs) You ever seen that one? (laughs) I have. Okay. You've got to look it up. You've got to look it up. It has Tina Fey. You got to love Tina Fey. She's like such a great feminist for us. And, 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 um, it's it's mocking the seasonal, which is a, uh, OCP designed for Mm -hmm. a quarterly bleed. And it's basically a marketing campaign for annual where you only bleed once a year, but they're like, but when it comes, you know, hold on to your bleeping hats, you know, (laughs) and it shows all these women like raging with their one annual period. Anyway, it's worth a look. Sorry to distract everybody on the little sideline. No, that's that okay. That's of. great. <laughs> you'll have to look it up after this, and I promise you, you'll be crying laughing. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, it's not necessary. The progestins work really well at thinning that uterine lining. And actually, one thing about the pill is it does actually lower your risk for endometrial cancer. So as far as I know, it's not necessary. I mean, I could see the why people might feel more comfortable doing that. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's really mm-hmm. necessary. Great. So 
it really sounds like we can put women into two camps when they go on oral contraceptives. One is that they want to use it as a contraceptive. And I think like, you know, no one questions the choice around that, right? Even in functional medicine, if you need a contraceptive, there's so many options available, but oral contraceptives are certainly uh, effective and viable option when they're used properly. We'll talk a little bit later about what should women do when they go on the pill? Like if they do choose that for birth control, how can they do it in like a health optimal way? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are some risks associated with OCP use too. But then the second reason why a lot of women go on that you brought up was regulation of a cycle or essentially like regulation when there's not normal hormones, except it's not really regulation. It's like overriding by giving hormones externally. So I think that's like number one takeaway is it does not fix the problem. It's just providing outside hormones instead of asking your body to make hormones themselves. Right. Yeah. It's not fixing the problem. And that can become a problem too. If women are taking it, thinking they're fixing the problem. And then years later they want to get off and the problem's still there. And if it was, you know, maybe they have something like PCOS I mean, the PCOS is much more than just a reproductive health problem. It's, you know, a metabolic issue. And those women are more at risk for cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So if you're just kind of ignoring that, you're really, that's like a disservice to the the woman too. Like if we're not digging into deeper root cause, you know, that's, you know, whether it's PCOS or even just heavier periods of someone anemic and they need iron or, you know, are there nutrient deficiencies? Is there a thyroid problem? If we're not even looking, we're missing a big part of the picture. And then they might still have the same problem when they get off the pill. And that might make it, if they are having irregular cycles, maybe they have hypothalamic amenorrhea and we're giving them the pill to have a cycle. And then they get off and they, they don't have a cycle anymore. You know, all that time was wasted when we could have been helping them actually cycle regularly. And then they're hoping to get maybe pregnant right away. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, what happened? I was having a normal period on the pill. Yeah, I see that a lot in my fertility practice is unfortunately, that's oftentimes when women learn that the problems you had before you went on the pill show up again when you stop it. And it can be like if you are getting off the pill thinking I want to get pregnant right away. It can take a little bit of time. Like some people do get pregnant right off the pill, but for other women, especially if they had hormone dysregulation before they went on it, it can take a little while. You have to fix the underlying problem. And a lot of times those kind of imbalanced patterns of hormone release come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to kind of integrative providers, I would say there's a wide range of feelings about OCPs. Is that fair to say? I mean, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) What are some of the hesitations that integrative providers have about recommending uh, like an oral contraceptive pill? Well, I think a big one is what we've kind of been touching on is it's not addressing the root cause. And that's why a lot of us integrative providers got into what we do is we like we like to chase that why. Like, Mm. why is this happening and what can we do to fix the cause and get things working properly? So. To us, like just shutting down the system isn't really a good answer. Um, And then there are definitely side effects that aren't talked about as much. Um, It's not, you know, the pill is often thought of as kind of 
benign, innocuous thing, not even like, a, you know, some people don't even think of it as a medication, even though it is. Like, patients might forget to even put it on their intake forms. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm not on any meds. They, you know, just think of it as just something they take. Um, so there are side effects um, associated with it. And then I guess, too, we, you know, if you think about the the menstrual cycle as a vital sign for your health, which it is, it's kind of like a nice monthly report card. We don't necessarily want to just shut it down. I mean, it's telling us something. So we want to do our best to honor that and take the time to, you know, if things aren't quite right, like something like painful periods, just because that's very common doesn't mean it's normal. So we can do things to like address that. Um, And then additionally, I'll add, you know, recognizing that the, how important endogenous hormones are. So when you're on the pill, we're not, we're shutting down the production of our estrogen and progesterone and binding up our testosterone. So we don't really have access to it. So, you know, those hormones are much, they're, they're important for reproduction, but they're also really important for overall health, like cardiovascular Mm -hmm. health, mood, like a lot of things. So I think that kind of covers a lot of the reasons we might be hesitant to just put people on the pill. Yeah. Great. So you covered a couple of the kind of common concerns and side effects. Let's talk a little bit more about um, some of those. And I want you to like myth bust for us. Is this okay. a real worry? I'll do my best. Or, okay. This is like a game. I'm going to say something and you're going to either say two or I false wish I had like and- a myth or <laughs> a card to hold up. I know you need a card. I know. So what about the statement that oral contraceptives deplete your nutrient status? Definitely. Um, certain nutrients. Yes. Um, so big ones, B vitamins, like folate, B6 is a really big one, B12. And then a lot of the minerals like zinc, zinc's a really big one, selenium, magnesium. And then I think not necessarily maybe depleting, but I think they actually increase our need for vitamin C and vitamin A as well. So there's quite a bit of different nutrients that can be affected. Okay. Um, how about um, oral contraceptives wreck your fertility? Mm, that one, I think of more as a myth. There, there really isn't, I don't think any studies that show that it, you know, it, it yeah, wrecks your fertility. There might be a bit of a delay back to cycling and then also normal cycling where we have fertile cycles. Um, but typically speaking, the pill is not going to take your fertility away. But if you did have irregular cycles or issues prior to being on the pill, like we said, they can come back. And then you still have those issues. So it's not the pill per se that's causing that, but it's just more like not dealing with that root cause. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think that's a huge concern of women. And I think if it prevents you from like getting on good contraceptives, it shouldn't. You know, the fear that like 10 years later or five years later, the pill itself wouldn't allow you to get pregnant. It's probably pretty unlikely. And I've not seen evidence around that either. Although I will say, like you described, when you take the pill, 
you are kind of shutting down the communication between the brain and the ovaries in a lot of ways because it's not necessary anymore because those hormones are in your system. And there can be, for some women, a small percentage of women, some time required or some support required to kind of get the brain communicating with the ovaries again. Right. So most yeah. women, it's like instant, or they say within three to six months, you should regulate. And I see that too for most women they do, but I do see women who kind of struggle to regain a cycle. But I think that's the exception and not the rule. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Women who, you know, I was listening to someone who didn't get their period for like four years coming off the call. That's not very normal, but it does happen. Um, and then, yeah, women who get off and get pregnant right away, also not very normal. Usually it takes a few months to get that period going again, but also you might get your period right away, but it might, you might have like a shorter luteal phase. Maybe your cervical mucus production isn't as great. Maybe you're not ovulating as much right away, but usually around six months or so we should see more, you know, regular fertile cycles. So even though you might get your period back right away, the fertility part might be a little bit slower to fully (laughs) come Mm -hmm. back, but it it usually for most women does. So yeah, I think that is more of a myth. Yeah. Okay. What about OCPs causing cycle irregularity? Mm, No. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) really the Cycle irregularities usually happening prior to going on. Like, again, like I said, it, it's shutting down that whole menstrual cycle and giving you kind of a, a fake withdrawal bleed every month. So, I mean, when you're on the pills, you're shutting down the cycle. And usually if you had normal periods prior to be on the pill, it should come back for, for most women. Usually if they're having irregular cycles after, it's because they were having irregular cycles before. Okay. Cool. Um, and then what about the concern that oral contraceptives can lead to like heart attacks and strokes and cardiovascular issues for women? There, It does increase the risk. Yeah. So especially for, for the pill, if you're a smoker and then if you're older, like over 35 and then combine those. Um, one thing I, I saw, I started seeing my practice that I wasn't aware about was I had these patients on the pill and I'd run lab work and they all had, um, for the most part, higher uh, CRP levels. So Mm -hmm. it does raise inflammation. At first I was like, why are these women having elevated CRP? And then I started researching and there's a lot of research around the hormonal contraceptives and increasing CRP. So that could be one of the reasons we are seeing increased risk in heart attack. Um, so that just kind of raising the underlying levels of inflammation and definitely it can increase like the clotting factors and increased risk for blood clots and strokes. It's still pretty low, but it does, it is a risk and it's something that women should be aware of. And I think providers should at least be going over like what symptoms that would look like. So if it were to happen, they could get the care that they need and be able to voice that appropriately too. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, it sounds like there are some real risks and something for like all women to think about. So from your perspective as a naturopath, when is the right time for a woman to consider 
taking an OCP? Like, what are the right reasons that this might be a great choice for somebody? Well, I think it's really comes down to what, like what the woman's looking for and what works for them. Um, So having that conversation, I think is really important, like discussing the risks, discussing different options. Maybe someone who's younger and really, you know, they're in college, they're sexually active, they're not looking to get pregnant anytime soon. They really, that would be terrible if they did. That might be, it might still be a good option, but we could still support them with the nutrients that we know can become deficient and maybe working on lowering inflammation since we know that can become a problem too. Um, But I think it's just having a good conversation about number one, what's, what's the patient willing to do, you know, cause there's other ways, other things you can do for like birth control, like fertility awareness, where you're tracking things like cervical mucus and your temperature, but it, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes some knowledge and learning too. And not everyone is kind of up for doing that, but I think it's just kind of having that an open, honest conversation about all the different options. Mm-hmm. Um, and letting people be aware, I mean, one, a few of the most common side effects I see that we didn't talk about are anxiety, depression, and, and low libido. So letting people be aware that those are very common issues when you go on the pill so that if it does come up, you, you can put two and two together. And Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? You know, right. Because um, and a lot of times women don't want to think it's the pill or no one ever told them that that could be a side effect. So they're like, it's not even on their mind. So if you let them know, at least it's there so that they, you know, be like, oh, maybe this the pill is doing this. So maybe it's not the best option for me. Well, I think about how many women might go into their provider with anxiety or depression, I wonder what percentage of providers ask that question. Like, are you on the pill? And think about maybe we should try you off the pill to see if you get better. I'm sure they're more likely to layer in Mm -hmm. some kind of like mood altering medication, you know? Yeah. I saw it a lot. Um, I always kind of wondered and I'd ask like, so were you on this antidepressant first? Or were you on the pill first? You know, what, which came first? Because I often would see, like, the tandem medication yeah. in practice. Yeah. Um, so I think it is good to know, and it might be eye-opening to some women, like, oh, yeah, maybe if I, you know, just, you could always, the nice thing about the pill is you can stop it. It's, you know, you can stop and just kind of see how you feel. And usually, if it is affecting your mood, you should see an improvement pretty quickly. That's great to know. Yeah, the other side effects I see a lot are like bloating, breast tenderness, some like kind of um, weight gain, digestive upset, and headaches are the other big ones. So for people to be aware of, that might be a reason to try something different. You know, fertility awareness method like you talked about or IUDs can be inserted. Yeah, the nice thing about IUDs is like another side effects with the copper IUD too. So you know, if you already have heavy periods and painful periods, that can ma- it can make them worse. But the nice thing about the copper IUD is it doesn't suppress ovulation. You are still producing your own hormones. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I think the biggest complaints are like the heavier bleeding, painful periods. And with IUDs, if you, especially if you haven't had children, 
and searching can be quite painful, but they, you can also ask for like pain management to help with that process. And I think more providers should offer that. Mm, Definitely. Now, the other time I think about OCPs is like, you know, they're used for contraception and they're used like for therapeutic benefit. If you go to an OBGYN, it's like the top therapeutic they have for Mm -hmm. women for various conditions. And I do think it's worth considering, like if I have a patient that has really severe endometriosis, for example, and she's not trying to conceive, there are oral contraceptives that can help or by piggybacking them and not having periods as often, you don't have those bleeds and those really painful bleeds as often. And so while we always look to fix the underlying issue, some of those can be really complex. Like endometriosis, I think, is one of the toughest things to treat naturally. It Yeah, it, it is. And it it is on my like list of like where when we're not really talking about just for contraception, where can like hormonal contraceptives be the most helpful? And I always think, yeah, endometriosis patients, it can be life-saving and also maybe prevent like a hysterectomy. Um, And also like the adenomyosis patients too, you know, similar, um, tend to have really painful and heavy periods. So it can be really life-saving. And I don't want to discount that, that it can really make a difference. And I think that's why a lot of women can sometimes get a little defensive about like the pill because it has been life-changing for them. And maybe they were having really painful or heavy periods and all of a sudden they're functioning better and they feel better. So it can work really well for some people. And that's why I I think it's not like necessarily all good or all bad. Yeah. Um, There's always like this in between and we have to really work with the patient and where they're at. Yeah. And as a naturopathic physician myself, sometimes when I see my peers like really railing on oral contraceptives on social media and on blogs and things like that. It makes me cringe a little bit because really, I mean, I love how you are talking today. Like it's not a yes or no black and white answer. And just like most things in life, there's benefits and there's drawbacks and there's times where it's great. And there's times where it's like from our perspective, not the right solution. But I do think we end up putting women in a place sometimes where they do feel like they need to defend their choice. And, you know, I just think about where our world would be if women didn't have access to oral contraceptives and how our, you know, you know, four mothers had to fight for access to that to be able to like get into the workplace and not be pregnant and have a little bit more control over their own life choices. So I'm glad we're kind of representing both sides today. Yeah, because that's, I mean, it's just as important. It, it really, it does, it was monumental for like women in history, like the advent. It just could be better, you know, there's could things be that could be improved. Yes. All but right. it so- is awesome how it's helped women with really giving them more freedom and control over their reproduction. Um, like enough can't be said about that. And it can be really helpful too for managing some symptoms, but we can still be helping maybe address some root causes while they're still utilizing like the pill. Definitely. Great. So we've talked about a lot of those risks and, you know, I love how you're positioning it today. Tell us a little bit about like, how do you do birth control right? You know, you've talked about some of the alternatives, but if a woman chooses to do oral contraceptives, 
you know, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about as providers to, um, you know, support that decision? What other kind of nutrition do they need? Lifestyle tips do they need, et cetera? So big ones, I think, would be addressing the, the nutrient deficiencies it can cause. So whether that's making sure you're getting, I mean, I think it's probably going to be a mix of getting good foods and nutrition that have mm-hmm. the minerals and B vitamins. Um, you know, a lot of it might be more like like organ meats might be great for that. Um, if Ooh, everyone loves that. organ meats. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, you know, or you can do a good like you know, B complex with some minerals would be mm-hmm. really helpful, I think. And addressing just inflammation. So eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet, making sure we're decreasing maybe environmental toxin exposures that can be driving inflammation um, and all the things that are within our control, like getting good sleep and movement, balancing our blood sugar. Um, all of that's going to be helpful in trying to help mitigate you know, like inflammatory risks um, and like those nutrient deficiencies. Awesome. And so, you know, this is the Dutch podcast. So I know that you talk about OCPs in relationship to Dutch testing frequently. This is a really commonly asked question. And I think we'd be remiss to jump off our podcast without addressing this. If women are on oral contraceptives, is the Dutch test the right choice for them? Well, if they're, if the contraceptives are working the way they should, the, their hormones, but the estradiol or the, all the estrogens and the progesterone um, metabolites should all be in like postmenopausal ranges. So we're not expecting to see endogenous production if someone's on oral contraception. So you might still get some benefit from seeing what's going on with someone's androgens, but we're just not typically... As if it's working well, we shouldn't see the progesterone and estrogens. And you're not going to get, because the levels will be so low, then the metabolites are going to also be low. And then those ratios might just be more approximate. So it might not be as helpful. I, I don't think it's necessarily as helpful to run on someone who's on the pill. Now, if mm-hmm. someone's on like a progestin IED like Mirena, Often women on the, like, uh, Mirena will, will ov- like, at first they might not ovulate, but often ovulation will happen. So we might be able to see, like, luteal progesterone levels. Um, and it doesn't suppress estrogen production. Um, so we, I think it's totally fine to run a Dutch test if someone's on the Mirena. And, of course, like, the copper IUD as well. Um, but the pill... <laughs> you can't get this. The levels come back so low, and it's, yeah. it's it's doing what it does. It's suppressing your hormonal production. So yeah, and we we don't measure the um, the synthetic hormones with right. the Dutch test. It doesn't we pick it up. Or so their you can't or their metabolites. I think that's a common misconception. So you can't use the sex hormone aspect of the Dutch test to see, for example, how a woman is metabolizing synthetic estrogens. Because it won't measure those. So I think that's important to know 
Um, you know, you could go off of the OCPs and then test your cycle, but you really, you know, like you said, you can't see the, um, the impact of those synthetic hormones. And if you go off and you want to test your cycle, you really should wait three cycles before testing. So you can try to get back into like a better rhythm and like your normal. Um, cause I see that too, like, oh, they stopped a couple weeks before testing and like, mm, this might not be like the best time to test and we might not really be seeing what's normal for them. That's great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I think bottom line is that there's a time and a place where oral contraceptives can be a great choice for women. And then also it's important to know they don't fix your underlying hormonal issues and, you know, integrative providers can really help uncover that. So it's a matter of why you chose to go on the OCP and knowing that there's other options available for a lot of the kind of common reasons to recommend them therapeutically in conventional medicine. Uh, any final thoughts or suggestions, comments? Oh, uh, I just, I, I think it's important for, you know, any providers out there to just educate our patients on risks and benefits so that they know and believe them when they come back. If they have any issues, listen to them. You know, they know their body best. And if you are a patient, listen to your body. And if it's not feeling right, don't be afraid to bring it up. And if it's, you know, like the nice thing, like I said about the pill, you can just stop taking it. I mean, talk to your provider. Um, but if it's something like an IUD and things aren't going well, don't be afraid to ask to get it taken out. And if your provider, don't give them a hard time about it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good word for the wise in all circumstances. Don't give yes. your patients a hard time. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway is like we need to educate our patients and then they can make the best decision for where they're at in their life. Definitely. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Clemson, for joining me today. And um, people can kind of get the chance to work with you and talk with you at Dutch. So we're really lucky to have you on the team. Thanks thank for being you. here. This has been really fun. Yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today as well. Come back next week for more hormone education just like this. And if you're enjoying the Dutch podcast, please help us spread the word by commenting and sharing it wherever you listen. Don't forget to also follow at Dutch Test on Instagram and Facebook for news, education, and provider resources. And if you're a healthcare provider struggling to find answers to your complex patient concerns, Registering as a Dutch provider will give you the tools you need to profoundly change the lives of your patients. We see it every day. Dutch providers receive advanced hormone education, comprehensive test results, clinical support, and much more. Just visit DutchTest.com and click on providers at the top of the page and we'll help you get started. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. 